0: Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this is an episode I'm calling Inner Unworthiness and Self-Judgment. So it's for people who feel lost and unhappy, or feel like a failure, or people who feel like they've wasted their life. So before I go into this episode, I wanted to ask the person who requested Stockholm Syndrome to please elaborate. Um, You just need to know what you're struggling with and what kind of tools you need. So like, is this a relationship or something else? Um, and also another request, whoever requested unrequited love. I just need to know what the circumstances are of the relationship, and is this because of a breakup or is it because of pursuing people who are unavailable? In other words, I just need some context. And anyone who asks a question, it's totally fine to stay anonymous. But before I can tackle your topic, I just need to know a little bit more information. So please at least make a one- time use email ad address and that way I can ask you my questions. Um, So before I go into this episode or the what, I will say that inner unworthiness and self-judgment is definitely one of the most common pervasive ways of feeling shitty. So if that helps, you are far from alone if you are feeling this way. I would say it's becoming more and more common or it seems that way. So take heart. We all share a lot more than we think we do. So here we go. The what? Not feeling good enough, feeling like a failure, like you wasted your life, your money, your time, your care, your career, your heart, your 20s, your 30s, etc. Fill in the blank. So the feeling of not knowing who you are, not knowing why you're behind everyone else, why you can't seem to build the life that makes you happy, and that all comes with an itchy state of discomfort with self, a constant state of narrating what's wrong. So the self-judgment voice, the voice that isolates you and makes you feel worthless and like you need to escape, otherwise everyone will see what a loser you are. And maybe you're one of those people who feels like their skin is crawling when you're around happy and beautiful people. Like you look at other people and you think, they're so much skinnier, smarter, funnier, happier than I am. Or maybe you think, everyone doesn't like me. It's obvious I don't fit in. Or, I look terrible. I'm not funny. I shouldn't be here. You might also have the flip side, where you look around and you think, everyone is so blank. Everyone's so fake. That person thinks they look good, but they have fat arms. That person thinks they're talented, but I could do better. That person thinks they're funny and charming, but they're so dumb. These people aren't really my friends. This is such bullshit. This place, this thing, X, Y, Z. Judgment is what I'm talking about. So if that sounds like you... That's the what. Let's get to part two, the why. Well, depression, for one. Negative rumination is depression symptom numero uno. So if you find yourself looping through negative narratives, you are at the very least chemically depressed. And I don't want you to tune out there, as depression can also be caused by circumstances. So let's explore how those circumstances can be altered. For example, You might not be a person who suffers from depression. You might be a person who had some really depressing shit happen that eventually caused them to feel depressed about it. In other words, the situation catalyzed the feeling of hopelessness and then you kind of got trained into a state of repetitively feeling shitty. So it might be that the situation, if that was altered, the depression would float away that's possible. It could also be that um, you've practiced the feeling or the habit of being depressed for so long that it's now just uh, an unconscious state of being. So it could be both of those things together. Sometimes it requires you remove the elements that are causing you to feel depressed and also deliberately practice a different habit of thinking as Negative rumination is really like riding a stationary bike called depression in your mind. It's like you're doing reps. So as a rule of thumb, know that anytime you're judging, you're separating from your experience of pain and trying to control it. It's also a way of paralyzing yourself from doing anything about it. So you feel like I'm doing something about this by working on it, but in reality what you're doing is talking to yourself. You're not actually active. Um, So it's an illusion. It's like saying, I am on fire. Look, I'm on fire. So I would call it like an average version of dissociation in that you're leaving your, your active body and you're just looking at yourself. I would say also when you catch yourself judging others or situations, that is when you are in a state of judgment towards yourself. You're in a judgy state of mind. It just means you're feeling low and insecure or not whole or not happy and complete. So th- those are just keep in minds. We all do this as a way to self-protect. It's like the ego's way of controlling what feels dangerous and outside of our control. I use the word pedestaling, like on a pedestal, like a sculpture would be on a pedestal. Pedestaling is like my word for separating from self and splitting. And that is what we do as a defense mechanism. When we start to feel vulnerable, we protect ourselves by placing ourselves on a different plane than someone else. Either I'm higher or I'm lower. That's a a way of feeling like, I'm controlling this. I am putting new terms onto something that is scary and out of my control in my own mind's narrative. So when you catch yourself saying, Something that's pedestaling, for example, so much, they're always so much better than I am. Just recognize in that moment, I am placing someone higher than myself. In that act, I am splitting, I'm removing myself from an active position. So I want you to take a moment just right now and take a snapshot of the voices you hear in your mind. What do they sound like? Caddy teenagers? Well, we all do something called. Spectatoring, and that is kind of the, the commentary. That's like the, uh, the ego voice of doubt or criticism that, that comes in and chatters at you that kind of takes you out of the moment, takes you out of kind of the freedom of the present moment of feeling like in your body and in yourself. So you might have that voice come in when you get nervous or right before you're about to feel more vulnerable or more exposed. And, side note, it also gets louder and more critical when your blood glucose is low. For example, at the end of a long, hard day. Or at the end of a week after many long, hard nights. Or after not sleeping well, like if you woke up a lot throughout the night. Something I have lots of experience with as of late. So I blame smartphones for a lot of this, but um, right now, culturally, we are very in our heads. Just by default, instead of just being in time and in presence, it's because we're constantly thinking. We're using our, th- or you know, we're analyzing a reflection. We're we're fixated on external, um, and that's kind of the vernacular that we use as a definition of self. We just forget that we are not the images we create. We forget that we're not um, this the construct. The, the simulation, so to speak, of our smartphones. So I, I like to think of this, a great way to remember this fact, because we get lost in, in this fake world, is the Greek myth of Narcissus. So Narcissus got fixated on his reflection, and that became his whole life. He was staring into a pond, and then that became his whole life. And that is how he died. He was staring at what was only an image. And that's kind of how we are being conditioned culturally. It's not healthy or balanced. It's, it's actually making us feel shittier about ourselves. Um, and it's what it's doing is making us associate the external with our inner lives. And it's all a ruse, a game, a simulation. And it's very attractive t- to us humans because it removes the intensity of immediacy. It's easier and more passive. We are prone to more passive ways of doing things just as humans because it requires less risk. So it's kind of like a human inclination overall. For example, on DMV applications, they made it so you have to opt out of being an organ donor, and that made it so organ donor numbers went way up. And that's because it's always easier to do something passively than actively. We feel less to blame or less in our own minds. So remember to take a step back. Don't think of yourself as so important, and it really is about how you choose to wear the lens that is your mind. Is it really the point of life to be a success? No. It is if you choose for that to be the point, but maybe there is no point at all except just to live as to the best of your abilities in this moment right now. So all I want to do by saying that is just remind you that you get to choose what the point of this life is. Don't let it be dictated to you by fear. It doesn't have to be decided for you. Think of reality as a simulation. You can choose to engage or disengage from the game at any time. And in my opinion, it's better played when you curate what makes you thrive and remove what makes you feel terrible, deliberately. It just takes starting from a point of conscious awareness and then making moves based off that. For that, let's get to part three, the how, the tools. The first tool I have is called quality control. So you know those weird stickers you find in your clothes from time to time? It'll be like a tiny number in like your coin pocket. Well, it's like a check for quality. So I want you to do that right now with your present moment habits. So where is your focus going in your mind throughout your day? The only relevant information at any given time is what's happening right now. Where you are today and what you're doing in this moment. For example, if you're constantly replaying your past mistakes in your present moment, then the ratio of your life is partly in um, the pains of the past. So it's like a half-life. So that is a habit that is retarding your current walking pace, like you're hobbling in pain while you live. You have no other job than to exist in this present moment as best you can at any given time. So when you catch yourself looking backward and reevaluating and re- regretting and just torturing yourself, that's the sign to stop that thought process. So I want you to isolate just that habit as the thing you need to work on, not the past because you can't change the past. The past cannot be altered. So it's not about how bad you suck. It's about how badly trained your mind is like a puppy. So just remember to stop in, stop it in its tracks and take it outside before it pees on the rug. So that is just a reminder. It's like a way to mentally filter the, the moments that you're actually not helping yourself when you think you are. Second tool I have is a journal exercise. So I'm going to call this future prototyping. I've given this one a lot, and I've given it in recent podcasts, I believe. But and this is kind of unrelated, but it is related. It's for life trajectory purposes. Um, usually when you have a problem with feeling not good enough, you also feel like you don't know what to do, like you feel directionless, because that's the kind of blindness you get from staring at your feet. You don't really know where to go. You don't, nothing feels good or right. So I want you to, as an experiment, if you don't feel like you have direction or purpose, I want you to prototype five different possible futures. I want you to think of a day five years from now when you're absolutely happy and fulfilled and everything is balanced and perfect. And think about five unique possibilities for what that day includes. So from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, what are the things that are in your day? For me, it would be I get to get out of bed. I get to have breakfast with my family. I go do some form of exercise. I get to work with people that I care about. And let's say that's like three or four hours. Then I get to have a lunch that I enjoy eating. I'm outside at some part of the day. I really want you to think nitty gritty what are those ingredients? Um, So, those are basically what you have to curate from that perspective and then work backwards from it. So for example, I would have to then, let's say I have my ratio down of what I want my day to be times five. The first one, let's say the first one is your favorite, whatever sounds the most interesting or coolest to you. Pick that one and then build backwards from that day. What do I need to do in order to get to that point? For me, that would be I have to figure out a job that I can do on an hourly basis um, that's my own time. So what are the different jobs I can do that do that? Um, I need to figure out what school I need to go to. I need to figure out what licenses I need. I need to figure out what the deadlines are for that license. Like, let's say you want a relationship, then you need to prioritize dating. Or if you want children, you need to prioritize um, dating the right kind of people. Like, get really serious about those types of details and then plan out a timeline. So let's say you, you do your first prototype and you're like, fuck, this is a pain in the ass and I don't want to be in school for 10 years and I don't think this one's right for me. That's fine. Go to your next prototype, the second best one. And to be honest, what you might feel meh about a lot of them. You might feel like, I don't know, I guess... That's the way a lot of people feel about any big move they make. It's just about going for the next best thing you can imagine, and it will kind of inform itself as you move, as you go through it. And all experience is benefiting you in knowing what is right for you and what your future is supposed to be. Nothing is wasted. So don't think of it as like, ah, if I make one step, it's wasting my life. It's no, there is no wasted experience. All of it informs the next you know today and tomorrow hope that made sense um and if you start to feel like you you have to be successful if that starts to distract you know that it's we often dictate our life trajectories to ourselves based off of what we feel we must do to to feel a value to feel smart to feel cool to feel like we're, we're of worth um, and that is a ruse. that that yearning in you, that motivation, it doesn't lead to your happiness ultimately. Instead, what it leads you to is an achievement that then you realize was empty all along. So instead, I want you to do some prototyping based off of the very valuable lessons uh, you've learned about what makes you happy and what you want more of, that will actually equate uh, equal a positive day in your life. Like, that is going to be the ratio of where your time goes. So don't force yourself to do a high-intensity, stressful job just because you feel like you should if it's actually going to make you miserable, if it's actually going to be not what makes you happy for a week, you know? Okay, next tool is called Ice Cold Water Faucet. Uh, Another version of the name is a judgment smolder. So I want you to think of the harshness of your judging voice as kind of like uh, an arrow that's pointing to a place that needs some softness and love. It really shows you where to need the knot in your muscles that is currently hurting you and making you focus outwards. So by softening into this area deliberately, we can alleviate a place where we are being overly rigid and not helping ourselves. In other words, it changes us from, look, I'm on fire, to... Ouch! Give me some ice cold water to put the fire out. It's hurting, and that's really where you become active. So the next time you find yourself judging yourself or judging others, I want you to stop and examine that voice. Take it apart and soothe it by force. Five steps. Yeah, five steps. I want you to take the next time you catch yourself in the judging voice. Um, And this is. Or anytime you're pedestaling, if you want to use my word. The first step, I'm, I'll tell you the steps and then I'll take you through an example. Step one is going to be recognize when you're pedestaling. Step two is see if you are the high one or the low one. Step three is take apart what false underlying belief is operating beneath it. Step four is forgive that scared and vulnerable self, like soften into it and choose to embrace and accept the feeling for what it is. Basically calling it out, seeing it in light of day, and uh, just recognizing the false belief. And then step five is disproving that false belief and then changing your voice of harshness to love. Here's an example. Let's say, let's say I'm saying about someone else, ah, oh, they're so much happier together, they're like a perfect family. I would stop and say to myself, your pet is stalling. That's step one. Next, I would ask myself to look at which version I'm doing. In this case, I'm placing someone else higher than myself, and I'm lower. That's step two. Next, I want to ask, what is the underlying belief that is creating that hurt? In this case, it's there's something lesser and not as good about my life and my family. I'm ugly, I'm flawed, I'm old, I'm out of shape, I'm messy, my house is messy, my family's Uh, Not as close, whatever it is. Write a list. Maybe there's a hundred of them. That's step three. And then step four, that's kind of like your map. Step four is how can I now kind of feel sorry and, and love for that vulnerable self, that poor, sad self that feels that way. When you can see that feeling, you can work on it. It's like the knot in your shoulder. You're like, oh, that's sad. You shouldn't feel that way. Poor me. And the last step is really feeling, uh, recognizing the harshness of the voice and, and starting to debunk it by proving to yourself the opposite. So how can you recognize the positive truth? And um, I mean, literally, I want you to make an inventory by writing a list of things that disprove your false belief. And I would, you know, it might be hard at first, but it's really about writing down every little thing that is a positive. In this example, it would be um, writing all positives about my life uh, that disprove my negative voices, beliefs. For example, I would say, I have a beautiful family. We laugh all the time. We have beautiful trees outside our house. We take perfect portraits together. We're so happy when we're together. We do lots of fun activities together. etc. Okay, next tool is called L- close the you weekly or life balance role model. So this is an exercise to break you out of the Instagram deception. We all get lulled into seeing that um, that other people have these perfect lives and we believe that they're real when it is far from a, a reality It's a retouched advertisement for our life. We all take portraits of a kind of polished version of our idealized life. So I want you to kind of glean um, some insight or some grounding from a person who you witness living a very rewarding life, but that you witness them doing it in person. So think of someone you know right now who lives a really happy and balanced life and it's not spent online just in person. They feel very balanced, very grounded. And I want you to ask, what do they do? How do they approach a day? What are the ingredients that you can add to your regimen based off that? Is it leaving your phone in your purse or having it off all the time? Is Is it spending more time in the garden? Is it spending more time with elderly people or extended family? So this is about taking actual practices that bring more grounding to your life and then Adding them to your life ratio. Just think of it like a cooking recipe. What do I need more of in a single day to feel more in my present life? The next tool is a journal exercise and it's called interview the spectators. So this is for getting to know your inner voices of judgment. I recommend doing this with each of your situational judgy voices and you can just title this journal entry the spectators. So the first prompt is what are the voices saying? Second, when do they say it? So you might want to do this a couple times. You can go through the list each time. So when do these voices say it and what are their cues? For example, maybe it's right before sex. What when there's a moment you start to think about pursuing sex and then you start to doubt yourself. Next prompt, ask yourself When have you heard something similar in your life? Like, what could these voices be related to in your upbringing? Who do they sound similar to? Next, now I want you to take those voices and develop compassion for yourself. And this is kind of funny or weird, but I want you actually to to respond to the voice in third person in your defense. So imagine that someone else was saying that. I want you to rebut the voices. Um, and actually think about concrete ways that you can respond to the voice in the future in your mind. So you might say things from the inventory like, that's actually not true. I'm perfectly awesome and well-loved and whatever. Whatever is appropriate for you to say to that voice in that moment. And last, I want you to think of strategies or ways you can change the normal behavioral response you have to that voice in the moment. So let's say it's before sex and then it makes you feel really nervous and uncomfortable and you get kind of bitey when you're like, "Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want it. Like maybe it makes you defensive. So I want you to focus on that reaction and think of another way you can respond to your voices of doubt in that moment. For example, maybe the next time you hear that voice attempting to stop you, you might say in your mind, ah, blah, 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 here comes um, the voice of uh, that annoying security guard with a plastic baton trying to threaten me. Or maybe it's like, oh, there's my mom again. Get her out of my brain. Just something to diffuse it or remind yourself where it's coming from. Uh, So think about this like spectator debunking. And I would say when you go through this process afterwards, make a list of all the thoughts and then... I would make a shorthand list of the underlying beliefs of those thoughts. Just you can kind of know the kind of a a shorthand version of these are, m- this is my shit, this is my baggage. It helps you familiarize yourself with like, ah, that's coming up again. Because in the moment, it's really hard to identify and separate from it because it's an emotion. It's a powerful emotion. It takes us with it. So you might be able to be like, oh, that's my baggage popping up. I got to just not pay attention to it or I've got to debunk it. There's my mom muttering away in the kitchen in my brain. All right, the next tool is called keep running that uh, the gnats are biting. Biting. So it's important to turn self-judgment into little bitty tiny gnats. And that's what they are. They're just thoughts. It's not you and who you are. They're just like a swarm of gnats that kind of won't go away sometimes. So I really want you to alter, just make this into an awareness of your thinking versus just thinking. And really that's what most, is most painful. It's getting fixated and obsessed with what is wrong. We are the ones that do the most of the torture. It's because we get stuck in the game of dolls. Like everyone in the dollhouse is sad instead of standing up and living life. So this is really about removing one individual thought and seeing it for what it is. It's a thought, an echo, a product of some chemical emotions in your body. But you can always just watch them like they're gnats flying around your head. And just in that moment, if you start to get overwhelmed, remember, you just got to keep running. Otherwise, they're just going to take over. Stop stop paying attention to them. Stop following them. And instead, I think it really helps to literally run. Do something physical, something that forces you to be in your body. If you have overexercise addiction issues, then another good one is plugging your ears and breathing as loudly as you can. So it's louder than the volume of your thoughts. So just slow, even deep breaths. I would say do at least 10. And this just gives you some momentary relief from the noise. And it's a starting point to remember where the truth lies that meaning, you are not your thoughts. So before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Shell, Nancy, Janet, and Pamela. Thank you so, so much. You're, you very much make this work happen, and I appreciate you greatly. And if anyone else has been helped by this show and you have the means, uh, I really appreci- appreciate donations. You can donate at yaywithme.com or visit me on Patreon. And if you don't have the means... I would love a review on iTunes or even a heart on SoundCloud. It all helps immensely. And if you have any requests, hit me up on yaywithme.com. So in closing, there is no wrong way to have lived your life path to this point right now. All of it is showing you just what you need to learn, including where you can go from this point forward. Like, what are the new things you need to bring into your life? And... It's all, it's all for the good of creating the palette that is you. Nothing has been wasted. You're on your path. You're on the right path. It's just showing you everything you need to learn in order to make the next step. And I would say nothing is better or worse about that step than all the other ones everyone else has taken. It just is. So I want you to think about it as if you washed up on a desert island and all your shit has been torn apart and washed up on the beach as well, and your clothes are all tattered, and you have your friends, and you're alive, and there are fruits and things to eat that grow natu- naturally on this island. In that, in that window, you can see that you really don't need anything else. You don't need a computer to type words on. You don't need... There's nothing else that's really important. And the same goes for today right now whether or not you can connect to that truth or not. You don't need anything more than the people you love and your health and your body and things that bring meaning and richness to your life. All the stuff is just really an extra layer. So don't let it rule you and dictate your worth to you. Don't mistake the game for what matters in your life. Because in the end, you'll forget all that stuff. The only thing that will stay with you are the emotions you feel that'll just be evoked by nature um, and the loves of your life. Think of it just like the flavors. That's what lingers in your body. It's not all the shit. It's not all the stuff. I hope this helps you. And if you uh, have any questions, feel free to reach out. Don't forget to smile.